your Westover app, and we're going to continue our series entitled Joyful. If I was to ask children in our kids' church, ask your kids or your grandkids, what's the happiest place in the world to go? They'd probably tell me perhaps Disney World. That would be exciting for them. I know my grandkids would say that. I was reading an article just the other day, and it was listing the happiest places on earth. Now, some of these are in different countries, okay? But it's the top 10 happiest places on earth. However, half of them are closed right now. Yeah, the happiest places have a cold, close sign. And for some to go there, you have to quarantine two weeks when you arrive there. So your, your happiness is not as happy as it used to be. We have a phrase we speak of sometimes, I go to my happy place. Do you have one of those places? You know, when things are down, you, you go to a happy place. Is it your beach house or is it, a, is it a favorite spot to vacation or is it a go back to a family member or is it the backyard in your hammock? What, what is your happy place? There are some places that promote, they have a happy hour. I call it heartache with a discount. That's what I call a happy hour, heartache at a discount. There's probably somebody in your family right now that you could say they're not a happy camper. This year, events of this year have disrupted their life, and they're not happy about it, understandably so. Now, there's a place, the Golden Arches, if you have kids, you have grandkids, you know where I'm going, they have done, they're a marketing genius, aren't they? They're a marketing genius. They will get you in by your kids or your grandkids saying, I want to go there. And what do your kids want? They want to say it with me. A, they have discipled you, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a meal with a cheap prize in it, but they have to go there to get their happy meal. Somebody has said, if you're happy, you haven't read the fine print. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said, the, the big print giveth, but the fine print taketh away. Have you ever found that to be true? You bought something, you said, this will make us happy. This will be convenient. This will be wonderful. This will make the home, the family so much better. And then it didn't work out. It, it, it underperformed in some area. I'm talking about being joyful today. There was a man who was sitting on the edge of his bed, and his wife was getting ready in the mirror, and he just asked her, Honey, your birthday's coming up. What would you want for your birthday? What would you wish for your birthday? And she said, I wish I was six again. He had an idea. So the day her birthday came, he had it all planned. She got up. He took the day off. He had lucky charms for her to eat for breakfast. After breakfast, they got in the automobile. They went to Six Flags. They spent the day at Six Flags riding all of the rides, the roller coasters, things that twirl, things that have a chain that's that spin you in a circle. They rode all the rides. They had cotton candy. They had M&Ms. They had grape soda. And at the end of a long day, they walked out to the car. But he wasn't done. 
He took her by McDonald's to get her a Happy Meal and chocolate milk. Then finally, at the end of a tiresome day, they went home. She was exhausted and fell across the bed. And he said, well, what's it like to be six again? And her tired eyes looked at him and she said, I meant a size six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You do your best to make somebody happy. You do your best and it's not, it just doesn't, it doesn't meet the need. Huh? You, you just disappoint them. I was listening to a TED Talk just a few days ago. And this is a, a, a Harvard psychologist professor talking. And here's what he said. After six decades, the School of Psychiatry and Psychology have advanced, and this is the goal of psychiatry and psychology today. Six decades, this is where they're at. He said, I quote, making miserable people less miserable. And I thought, 60 years? And the best you can do is make miserable people less miserable? He went on to say that people are categorized into three categories. I'll give them to you. He said, some people describe their life as good. Some people describe their life as not good. And some people describe their life as not good enough. I ask you rhetorically, where are you? Good? Not good? Or would you say not good enough? Well, let me just share with you. The Bible says that Jesus came not just to make miserable people less miserable. Jesus said in John 15, I've come that your joy may be full. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Jesus came for a mission that he wants your life, our life, my life to be joyful. And some of us, our joy is hampered today. And I want to invite you on the authority of Jesus, the mission of Jesus was to invite us and extend to us a joyful life. And I want to share with you this thought today, to be joyful always. Be joyful always. And for, for our scripture this morning, let's go back to Luke chapter number 2. It's the account of the birth of Jesus when the angels bring the announcement to the shepherds. Verse number 8 and following. And there were shepherds in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news, here it is, that will cause great joy for all people. That's you and I. Good news of great joy for all people. Why? Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. One man, one event. 
One man in one event qualifies believers to be joyful always. Human history turned by one man and one event. We went from B.C. to A.D., before Christ to the year of our Lord. Every one of us, we have a B.C. moment before Christ. Jesus comes into our heart. Jesus changes us, and we're in an after moment. We went from before and after. Some of us, some of us, our before Christ life was broken and messed up, confused, angry, distraught, missing something, aimless. But one man, Jesus, came into your heart, and because of Jesus, because of a Savior, you're a different person today. And verse number 10, the announcement to the angels is, I bring you great joy, which shall be for all people. You notice the word great? The New Testament in its original language was written in Greek. It's translated into English in our Bibles, but the original New Testament was written in the Greek language. The word for great and the Greek language is a word we actually use today. We, we employ it in our language today. It's the Greek word mega. Mega. We have that vocabulary. We use those phrases from time to time. And it's literally saying he came to bring mega joy for all people. Mega means more. It means great. In fact, this word mega was actually used, and it's a word that we use today. It's a phrase that's still in our English language, megaphone. It was the idea of filling a place with a great sound. You take a room, you take a place, and you use a megaphone. Why? So everyone can hear it. You try to fill the space. You fill the room with the sound. This is the word because of Jesus because he was born. The sound of Jesus, the announcement of Jesus, the news of Jesus, the joy of Jesus should fill our heart, our mind, our soul, our entire being. That's God's megaphone. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 8 expresses it this way, that you rejoice with a glorious and inexpressible joy. God wants us to have that inexpressible joy, that mega joy, like Psalm 23 where your cup is running over. Not, to, not where you feel like there's just a few things that you can take solace in, but there's a whole lot of things that you're disappointed in, that your life, my life would be filled with joy. And I want to share with you today three ways how to be joyful always. And when I share the three ways, I'm going to capsulize it with one word under each point. How to be joyful always. Number one, turn to joy. You want to be joyful always? Then turn to joy. In other words, turn to Jesus Turn your life. Don't look for joy in stuff. 
Don't look for joy in experiences. Nothing wrong with the promotion, but they come and go. No law, no, nothing wrong with stuff, but it deteriorates. There's something about when we turn our life and Jesus is the focus and the center of our joy. I want to invite you today, turn to joy. If I was to invite you to give a commandments in the Bible, most of us would start with the phrase, thou shalt not, beginning with a negative statement. And certainly, those are the, some of those are in the Ten Commandments. But can I tell you, there are other commandments in Scripture, many of them. In fact, the Bible opens with a commandment in Genesis, in the garden. It closes with a commandment in the book of Revelation. There's an opening command, and there's a closing command in Scripture. The Bible opens up with this command, and it says, eat freely. It's what God told Adam and Eve. It closes in Revelation, and it says, drink freely. It opens by saying, eat freely. It closes by saying, drink freely. And here's what God is saying. I have a banquet. I want to fill you. I have a feast for you. If you can turn to Jesus, you can find joy, that inexpressible joy. And we have to turn our heart and our focus on Jesus. It was Leonard Sweet in his book. He told the story that when the New Testament was being translated in the Eskimo dialect, they, they were studying the culture and, and the dialect of the, of the Eskimo people. And if they read Scripture, they're looking for words in the Eskimo language that directly relate and communicate the same thought as Scripture has, so that when the Eskimos would read Scripture, they would understand it as it was written. When they were coming, when they were translated, they came to a verse in the New Testament, and it says that the people were filled with joy when they saw Jesus. And they discovered something. There was no word for joy in the Eskimo dialect. So how would they translate that verse? They were filled, the disciples were filled with joy when they saw Jesus. They studied the culture and they finally discovered something. At the end of the day, when the Eskimo families would gather and it was time to feed the dogs from the dog sled that serve them and help them and is such a vital part of their community. At the end of the day when it was feeding time, they actually had a word for that. And the dogs would begin to bark and the people would clap and the dogs would be jumping and excited about, about getting a chance to eat and they would be wagging their tail. And that was a festive moment. And, and it was a way that they would feed their dogs and celebrate and thank them for their service that day. And they were barking and eating and wagging their tails. And they had a word for that. So they used that word to translate that particular verse. So literally, <laughs> literally, and it, it meant 
but it made sense to the Eskimos. The verse says, when the disciples saw Jesus, they wagged their tails. I like that. <laughs> I just like that. I just like it. But it, it became a celebration. When they saw Jesus, can I tell you, when you see Jesus in Scripture, when you see Jesus in your life, is there a celebration? Is there a song? Is there, is there just a, a, a moment of joy in your heart? And for you to turn to joy, here's the word, one word, you must believe. Believe. Now, there are three parts to believing. Let me give them to you. It's opinion, position, and trust. Believing starts with an opinion. Some of us, a few years ago, our opinion about God and the Scripture is very different than it is today. There was a time in cynicism, somebody asked you what you thought about the Bible. You said, I don't believe any of that. That's just a book written by human beings. I'm not. What about God? No, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in all that religion stuff. But your opinion changed. You're walking down the pathway of being a believer. Then your position changed. You started reading Scripture. Perhaps you started praying and having meditation moments in your heart, and you found yourself talking to the Lord. Your position changed. You're in a pathway of believing. The third step in believing is trusting. When you say, it's for me and now, there's some of us in the room this year has been your year, your year. Your opinion of God and your position about God has changed, has altered this year because of the challenges and the crises. And now I'm going to give you a chance to trust Jesus in just a moment, to make this day the day that you turn to joy. You can do that. Number two, how to be joyful always. Not only turn to joy, turn on joy. Turn on joy in your life. You see, joy is a choice. Joy is internal. If, if your joy is based upon externals, then your joy, your happiness will go up and down and typically circumstances will be in control of your life. But you can choose to turn on joy. You can choose to not vest your happiness in things, in people, in position. And you can choose to put your joy and your trust in Jesus. Let me say it like this. Jesus Jesus fulfills, and he feels full. Jesus fulfills, and he feels full. Jesus, he fulfills our longing, our desire. In Jesus, we have a sense of purpose, but it's more than that. He feels full. He wants to give you that inexpressible joy. And it requires, number one, believing. We said that. That was the word. That here's the word under this point. It needs to be activated. Let me put the word activate in your heart. Not passive, but active. Taking a step. 
Some of us, we, we have a scent. Yes, I believe in Jesus, but you're coming to that trust moment. It's time to activate, activate your faith. We use the phrase being a Christ follower. Being a Christ follower, it's John 3.16 which says, whoever believes on him. It's believing, but there's another part to it. It's Luke 9. It says, you have to also follow him. When the disciples believed in Jesus, Jesus said, now follow me. Follow me. And follow me requires three things. First off, it requires surrender. And surrender is giving our heart to the Lord. It's saying, Jesus, Jesus, I'm making you the priority. Scripture says that Jesus wants to be our all in all. He wants to be the big all in your life. He doesn't want to be, he, he doesn't want to be just the few things. He doesn't want to be the some things. He doesn't want to be the fringe things. He wants to be the all in all. Of all things that you value and all things you prioritize, surrender means that you give all your heart to Jesus. Not only surrender, it requires sharing. Sharing is giving our best giving our best. When it comes to God, give your best. Don't give God your spare change and, and, and the leftovers. Give God the best. Give God the very best of your life. Give God the best of your years, the best of your dreams, the best of your energy, the best of your focus, the best of your decisions. Give God the very best. That's sharing. And thirdly, it requires service. Service giving our all, service. In fact, it would be Jesus in John chapter 12. He says, those that love me must serve me. You're going to be a follower of Jesus to serve him. And one of the things that this season has done, unfortunately, many of us have got unplugged from serving. We've got used to just kind of socially distanced from everything and locked down and shut down and everything else. And some of us are out of the lane of serving. And I want to put this in your heart. Make a commitment that as we go into the new year, you're going to get back into serving Jesus, serving in ministry, doing something that, that expresses, that's turning on the joy, pouring your time, your energy, and your focus into ministering to others. Yes, activate your faith. Before I get to the third point, before I move to the third point, I want to pause, and I want to have a prayer moment right now. A little different, yeah, pausing in the middle of the message for a prayer moment, but I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus. So balcony and main floor and even church online, I'm going to ask you to pause for just a moment and bow your hearts before the Lord, and I'm going to ask you the question, are you ready to trust Jesus? Your opinion of God has changed. Your position of God has changed. Are you ready to fully trust the Lord, to surrender, to say, Jesus, become my Lord and Savior? If you are willing to do that, I'm going to invite you on the count of three to raise your hand. Your hand going up is saying, I'm there. My, my opinion is of God is 
changed. My position of God has changed. And now my trust in God is going to change. I'm going to give my full trust to the Lord. If that's you, raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, yes. Yes, all across this room, balcony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer moment. Church online, if that's you, just say, just say, me. Put me, me and Jesus in the comment section. Let's pray now. Let's pray. Our commitment to Jesus requires this, for us to call on the name of the Lord, for us to repent and ask Jesus into our heart. You say, repent, Pastor? Do you mean I've got to list all this stuff? No, you don't list it. You just say, Jesus, forgive me. And the Bible says that his blood upon the cross cleanses from all sin and unrighteousness. The moment you say, God, forgive me, it's blotted out. It's deleted. And redemption happens in your life. So pray right now. Father, I pray with people both online and here in the room. And they're saying they want a fresh start with God. They're going to trust Jesus completely. They're going to say, God... Thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe he's my one and only Savior. I turn to him now, and I give my whole heart to Jesus now. I, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins, my doubts, my mistakes, my inhibitions, my reluctance. Forgive me, God. And I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Some are praying right now and making a recommitment. They, their faith has gone dormant. And their, their faith is being awakened right now. And I pray, God, reinvigorate your presence in their life. Reestablish your lordship in their life. And as they say, come into my heart, God, honor it. Honor it in the name of of the Lord. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, I welcome you and I welcome you back to the family of God. Amen. <laughs> Third. Third. How can you be joyful always? Third point is turn up the volume of joy. Turn up the volume of joy. Perhaps life and this year, unfortunately, has put the mute button on your joy. Perhaps you've been dominated by, and, and, and honestly, this year has been a challenging year. The, the politics, the debate, the conflict, the the tension, racial tension in America we experience, the, 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 the economy, COVID, the shutdown. There's been so much and how easy it is for circumstances to mute joy in our life. I want to invite you, turn up the volume of joy. And here's the word for this, praise, praise. Do you know praise will boost your, your emotional, 
in your spiritual immune system? <laughs> That's right. It does. Yeah. It, it boosts my, my emotional and my spiritual immune system. In the book of Psalms, chapter 68, it says, May God arise. It's talking about worshiping. May God arise in your praise. What will happen? Your enemies will be scattered. Do you know that fear is an enemy? Depression is an enemy. Loneliness is an enemy. Discouragement is an enemy. Conflict is an enemy. All of these enemies that come into our life and they rob us of our joy and emotionally and spiritually they seek to pull us down. And here's what Scripture says. If you will lift up God in praise, if you will begin to praise, guess what? Your enemies will be scattered. God will establish his joy in your life. This inexpressible joy. And I'm going to invite you right now to stand together with me and we're going to worship. We're going to worship in a Christmas carol. And I want to invite you, put on your praise. Strengthen your spiritual and emotional immune system. And then after the after the Christmas carol, I'm going to come back and I, I have something special for you. I want you, to, want you to stay with me. There's something special I want to share with you. Please.